0: Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. Welcome to Faith Community Church. You're in the right place. You're in the right spot this morning. And I'm glad that you're here. We want to welcome you. And if you're a guest with us today, take a moment and fill out that connection card that's in front of you and take it to the back after church is over. We've got a gift for you. Uh, But we'd love to have you um, make a further acquaintance with you and get to know you in some way like that. We're glad that you're here. And we're going to have a great service today. We just believe that God is going to touch a lot of people's lives. We just feel that the Lord is going to be a blessing to so many today. I want to read from the Word of God this morning, and I'm going to ask you to stand as we read this Word. This is God's Word, the Bible. I'm reading from Luke, chapter 10, beginning in verse 25 which simply says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what must I do to, uh, to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and Love your neighbor as yourself. That's right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, Then who is my neighbor? That's a pretty good question, isn't it? Quite a question, in fact. And uh, a lot of people like to know who their neighbors are. I realize some people like their privacy and everything, but who is my neighbor? And Jesus responds to this. Because in the next paragraph, he tells us that famous, famous parable of the Good Samaritan. And he says, this is your neighbor. So there's a lot there. I'm not going to unpack that this morning or anything like that. Read it for yourself later on. But uh, a powerful, powerful passage that gives us a great teaching that works in 2018. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you so much. We're glad to be in the house of the Lord today and this church. We're glad for our friends that have gathered together. We're glad for our guests that have come into this church. Father, I believe we have all come in with an expectancy. There's something that is desirous inside of our hearts. We want to meet with you this morning. We want to brush up against the King of Glory. And so, Father, I pray today, I pray earnestly in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, I pray that you'll touch people's lives. I pray that, Lord, as they come here into this place with that expectancy, I pray that, Lord, that you'll be speaking into their hearts. I pray that you'll provide to them wisdom and guidance. Father, I pray that you'll provide the comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit who would come right alongside their lives. And so Father, today we thank you. We pray for those that are facing sicknesses and and illnesses. We pray that Lord, that you you would prevail and send the healing power and touch of Jesus into their lives. We thank you for that. We pray for those here today that are needing wisdom, who are needing your counsel in their lives. I pray they'll discover that counsel all to the glory of God. And so we thank you today. Let the people of God rejoice and praise the Lord. Let the people of God sing the joy of God in their lives. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. This morning, I'd like to ask you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Colossians chapter 2. I'll be reading most of my text a little bit later on in the in the message. <clears throat> I'm going to walk through it chapter 2 Colossians chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. Throughout my life the church has meant so much to me and to my wife and family. Before I was a Christian, and I was not a Christian, early in my life, I I was a part of the church because I was compelled to go to church. When I went to college, I began to drift from that. And by the time I graduated from college, I was not a part of the church. I knew where the church was. I knew what I was supposed to do, but I wasn't a part of it. And in my early years as a professional, I guess, uh, I can't remember even going to church. There might have been a time, a strange time, I'm not quite sure, but we were not church people. When God singled out joan and i in early february of 1973 he changed our lives literally we were transformed i never hated the church it just wasn't important and from that moment on from that evening in february the church became the most important thing in my life And that happened virtually overnight. I've never drifted from the church since that time because I love the church. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's because God loves the church. Jesus died for the church. And if the church was uh, important enough for Jesus to die for, then I need to be a part of it. I have no right to turn up my nose and walk out the door. The church has been very good to me. Church has been very good to our family. Church continues to be good to my extended family. I also think of the many problems sometimes people see him in the church and along with his problems i think sometimes they often fail to see all of the good that's a part of the church it's easy to allow a problem it's easy to allow a situation it's easy to allow to allow someone or whatever to become larger than the church and that's impossible when our focus is on christ then everything else pales into insignificance. I've preached in all kinds of churches. I preached to in churches several thousand. I've preached in churches where, on a Sunday night, twelve people shows up. That might have been because it was thirty-four degrees below zero, but. Um, Nevertheless, it didn't really matter. I was glad to be in the church, glad to be in the house of God, glad to sing the songs of Zion, glad to fellowship, glad to pray, all of these things. I can easily point out the church's faults because I'm a major part of the church now. I provide leadership in the church. We can talk about decisions that we don't agree with, people who frustrate us, some things that we have a problem with, and all of these things, but despite all of its faults, the church is something we need to love, and to love with all of our heart, just as we would love Christ. When we truly start to love the church, it changes the way the, the entire way we interact with people changes the way we participate and changes our motives, it changes our priorities. That's because we have been changed. There are many people, and and I'm going to include Christians and non-Christians, in this group, who do not love the Bride of Christ. And I'm going to confess to you this morning, and I know you've heard this a little bit before, I have no idea, I cannot, this is a question I've never been able to, to put my mind around. I have no idea why people don't love the church. They show this by rarely attending, rarely giving, rarely doing any real work, and absolutely nothing to advance the church. David loved God's house. He says this, because I set my affection to the house of God. He says, I have of mine own proper gold and silver, which I've given to the house of God. In other words, David's saying here, he said, I love the church so much I give money to it. Then he said, he goes on and says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. That was David's favorite place. And you can look at David's life and find plenty of flaws. You can find the inconsistencies. You can find all kinds of things in David's life. But one thing that you cannot fault David is his intense love for God. Even when he was, in, even when he was embroiled in his sin, It was his intense, it was this part of him, this this heart part of him, that finally responded to God. When Nathan said, the prophet, this brave prophet, said, you are the man, pointed right at David, put his bony finger in David's chest and said, you're the guilty one, David. And David had so much of God inside of him, obviously covered up with layers of Feelings and all kinds of other things. That David said, I repent of this sin. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart today. That's a pretty brave prayer. That's an incredibly brave prayer to say, okay, God, you just have free reign in my heart and life. Just go ahead, take a look, tell me. There was a time in America and I remember this time, I'm old enough to remember this time, when the church was perhaps the most respected institution in any community. That is not so anymore. The church is just an institution and that's it. A large number of surveys indicate that most people are not glad about going to church. As a matter of, as we started LifeGate Fellowship in Humboldt, we did a fairly intensive survey work that was provided for us. Also, I got a copy for Pocahontas County, and it really is no different. I'm sure Calhoun doesn't measure up any better, but the statistics are terrible, of 12.4% on any given Sunday morning are in church. That's not good. That's a mission field, isn't it? That's definitely a mission field. The popularity of the church has fallen on hard times. Some politicians do not like the church because it is an entity that does not pay any taxes. Politicians love taxes. And the church doesn't pay any. And I'm sure that's gonna change. I think I don't know when the Lord is gonna bring take me on home, but I'm guessing that by the time He does, that's gonna change. We have to deal with backslidden preachers who have sometimes given the church a black eye with their sin and their immorality. We have seen church treasurers indicted for embezzlement. We have seen hypocritical church members foolishly and sinfully spoiling the testimony of a good church. And I'll, cry, I'll quickly grant you that some of these criticisms leveled against the church is very valid. And the reason they are valid is because they're made up of people just like us. People that have been broken, people that have been hurt, people that go about their life, sometimes stumbling and sometimes trying their best and yet falling. It's made up of people just like us. I want to let you know that there is nothing more that I love and enjoy than being a part of the church. I'm not hypocritical when I say this. I love the local church. I love Faith Community Church. I love LifeGate Fellowship. I think they're the finest churches in the whole area, by far. If you can find a better one, you should attend it. Just as loving parents, loving parents have goals for their children, I'm sure Jamie and Peter have goals for Leroy, he probably doesn't understand one of them yet, but they're in your minds, they're in your hearts, that you want to see some things happening in his life and working in his life, and in this passage, there's five things that I want to point out to you in the word so let's take a look at this word beginning in chapter 2 beginning in verse 1 the book of Colossians Paul is the writer here and by the way Paul had never been to this church and as far as we know he never did go to this church but he's writing to this church because of a lot of feedback that he was getting and everything else like that so he writes them a letter And he says this, for I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Now note this, that their hearts may be encouraged. When the Bible uses the word heart, it is usually referring to the inner person uh, or the center of our life. This is control central of our life, our heart. That's how God would dis- describe it. Not just this pump that's right in the middle of my chest, but the heart, the seat of our emotions, the seat of our decisions, the seat of our values and our principles, all of those things the, the the heart. And we know that whatever fills a person's heart is going to be shown in that person's behavior. Matthew chapter 12 says, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart, a good man out of the treasure uh, out of his good treasure brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. That all has to do with the heart. If my heart condition is out of step with God, it 's going to be demonstrated and displayed in my walk with God in my in my conversations. And all of these things, that's going to be, that's a display of what's going on inside my heart. Paul is saying, I also want your heart to be encouraged. The word encouraged here is a good word. Actually, let me give you a little tiny Greek lesson. It's the word parakaleo. And Jesus used this word when he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, the the Holy Spirit is going to come right alongside you. He's going to come alongside you to bring encouragement, to bring strength, to bring comfort, and all of these things. See, the disciples were just greatly worried, distressed, all of these things that Jesus was going to leave them. He said, look. It's important that I leave because when I leave, I'm going to send someone else. Well, that someone else is the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm gonna come right alongside you. I'm going to journey with you. I'm going to live with you. I'm gonna step with you. And I'm gonna bring you a, a sense of comfort and encouragement. I'm going to bear the witness of Christ in your life. I'm going to allow this word to be living in your heart. All of that's being done. Today, right now, even as we sit here, there's an activity of the Spirit of God that is alive, that is working in our our hearts and lives. Paul is saying, I want your heart to to be strengthened, to be encouraged, to be comforted and he is going to come right alongside you. Also the second part of that, we're just gonna kind of step our way through this here for a little bit, just a few words later, it says being knit together in love, united in love. Fervent love is a necessary balance to, to a strong mind. Christianity is not some kind of a brand of raw enthusiasm or or something like that. But on the other hand, on the other side of that scale, it's not some kind of a lifeless, dull intellectualism either. There is a bit of balance in in this thing. I want you to check out, I'm I'm going to move to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 just for a moment. We hear these words, but there's something so valuable embedded here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 1, the Bible says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all of my mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Paul is saying something so vital here. And and 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is an interesting placing of this chapter because in chapter 12, he just talked about these nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. Wonderful gifts that God has given to you and I individually to be a part of the church, and then he comes in and inserts chapter 13 and says, look, you can speak in tongues all you want, you can prophesy all you want, you can have every word of wisdom that comes down the pipe, all words of knowledge, but if it isn't done in love, it's nothing. Paul isn't saying it shouldn't be done. He just said it should be done in a spirit of love, a spirit of grace, and allowing God to work in profound ways in our lives. John chapter 17, go back a few more verses here. In John chapter 17, beginning in verse 20, I want want to share this verse with you very briefly. It says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you and the Father are in me and I in you, that they may be one in us and that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which I gave, <coughs> pardon me, you gave me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and I have loved them just as you love me. Boy, I'm telling you, God is talking about, a, about an intertwining of our lives and the life of God, the life of the Holy Spirit, the life of the Son of God who died for us. There, there, is, a, there is an intertwining of these things. And God says, listen, when this is happening, the world's going to understand that this is a community of love in the spirit and the life in the spirit. Love has n- <coughs> loving somebody is not necessarily divine by, by warm feelings and torrent them, but also by their needs. Love is an action word. You've heard me say it before. Love is always a verb. It is something you do. It's not just something you say and, and walk away from It's something you do, something that works in you. Let me go on just a little bit back into Colossians here, beginning in verse two, the latter part of verse two, that you have the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom, this is verse three, in whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul wanted the Colossians to know and experience all of the wealth that comes from having the assurance of salvation in our lives. Now let me say something here that's to me is just critically important and that's the fact I need to be assured that God, that I am right with God. I need that assurance. I do not need this Today I felt like I was really a godly person. I went to church, I smiled at people, I prayed, and all of these other things. I had coffee and cookies and fellowship and felt good about it. And tomorrow morning, I don't know what happened, but by 9 o'clock, that customer came by and just teed me off to no end, and I'm sorry, but I lost it. Did I lose anybody? <laughs> I don't see any halos. I see a few tilted ones, but uh, uh, anyway, I, I, do, I want you to know something. Does that mean you're out of step with God and God no longer loves you and he no longer forgives you and he doesn't care about you anymore and you just blew it, buddy? And it's gonna be seven day, six days before you get it right again. No. Let's, let's put a stop to that right there. That's when the mercy of God kicks in. That's when the mercy of God kicks in in full force and says, you know what, I'm not going to give you what you deserve, but I am going to give you grace. Am I right, Craig? <laughs> I won't explain that to anybody, but I know Craig and I will have a discussion about it. The word understanding here means to, and actually it, it, it is an action word itself, it means to apply, and it means to apply these biblical principles to everyday life. And this is what believers and followers of Jesus do. I experience spiritual truth. Listen to me, I experience spiritual truth because I'm living it, see? And when I live it, I establish habits in spiritual truth, and as I establish those habits and continue to walk in those same habits, what happens is that my assurance in Jesus Christ becomes stronger and stronger and stronger every day. And when there comes that moment when I trip, and when I stumble, I can pick myself back up and say, you know what, I don't want to do that anymore. But I know that God still loves me. And I know that God still is, I'm still walking in the grace and the wonder of God. In verses 6 and 7 here, we want to talk about walking in Christ or walking with Christ. Verse 6, as you therefore have received Jesus Christ, so walk in him. This is kind of a familiar phrase that you find in other places in the Bible. But walking in Christ means to live in union with with Jesus. It means to live a lifestyle patterned after his. First John chapter two and verse six gives us this instruction. He says, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. So we have some instruction there, don't we? On the, on the other thing, having been firmly rooted is something that is ongoing. Paul is talking, Paul constantly talks about this. He talks about being filled with the Spirit and, and that's just not, okay, I got filled with the Spirit Thursday and that's it. No, 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 no. He talks about, this is a continual thing. This is, this is something, this is like an artesian kind of a well. It just doesn't quit. <clears throat> It'll go all winter if possible. It's something that God is doing, and God is working all of the time in our lives, continue, desiring a continuous filling. Why is that? It's because it runs out. It's because we're leaky kind of people. We spring leaks. We got holes in the bucket, and this whole thing So God needs to continually fill us, and we need to desire that filling and to walk in what God is doing. And he supplies our every need. He supplies All of this for the the blessing in our life. And then we overflow with gratitude. In verse seven, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught abounding in it, with thanksgiving. And here's what it means. Believers who are firmly rooted in Christ, being built up in him, established in the faith, are going to overflow with gratitude. Gratitude, in my mind, is a hallmark of genuine Christianity that works in people's lives, a life that is grateful, a life that is filled with, with thanksgiving and goodness. It's the natural outcome. Praise is what completes, if you will. Build a circle is what it means. I started off by telling you I love the church. It's our place of worship. It's our place of edification. It's the starting point of evangelism. Acts chapter 13, you'll find it was the church. These people were meeting and they were praying and they were fasting. And it's an interesting remark there, and I read it again several times last night. And the Bible says while they were praying and while they were fasting, the Holy Spirit said, and guess what? He didn't just say it to these two people in the front row, he said it to the whole church. Now I think one or two of those people in the front row expressed it to the whole church, but it resonated with everybody in the church. And the message was this, separate out Paul and Barnabas, and I'm sending them to the world. The Bible says they prayed. They continued to pray. And the Spirit continued to confirm. And Paul and Barnabas left that church in Antioch and took off on what we know as the first missionary journey. Establishing churches getting into a lot of trouble. Stonings, imprisonments. No wonder Barnabas wasn't all that crazy about this missionary outfit. But it was happening in their life. And it was the church, and that's where it started. Folks, I loved being the president of a Bible college It was an incredibly intense time of the most difficult work I have ever done in my life, but it was intensely rewarding. It was such a joy to see the work of God developing in people's lives. It was such a joy to watch that kid that just aggravated me to no end. And I'm telling you, he knew it too. He knew it. Such a joy to watch that young guy graduate and become one of the finest kids pastors in America today. He makes more money than I do. In fact, he makes so much money, they build him a whole separate building for his ministry. I'm still waiting on mine, but I don't know. We're such a unique pleasure. But I never forgot my love for the church. Never, never, never. The night I was inaugurated, I thanked God. But I said, I long for the church. I long for the church and what it does and what it means i got a little illustration up here. i got these bricks. This is a brick, as you can well see. This is a brick that doesn't have a whole lot of meaning, if you don't do something with it. This brick has value of, I, I can think of, maybe you can think of more things. It has values as a doorstop. It has value as a paperweight, although I don't want it sitting on my desk. But you know what? When you take this brick, that doesn't have a whole lot of value just kind of floating around by itself. And when you begin to do this, you put it there and you take this one, and you put it there, and you put this one here. Then you take some others, and you put them here, put one here, and another one right here. Now you're doing something, aren't you? You see, this is how God builds his church. This is how God puts his church together. Because this brick here has gifts given by God himself for the benefit and the use in the church. This brick has different gifts. You see, there's bricks all over this place. I I I can't play that guitar like rust. In fact, I can't even play it at all. I can't play that piano like Connie, and I can't play that organ like Donna Lee. And so they become vital in this work of building the church. And there they are. And this brick right here, we have people who can teach children. I can't, I'm not sure if I could do that. Not sure if I'd want to do that. But they can do it, and they do it really good. They're amazing at it. And so it's a part of that church. We're we're seeing this. You know, this is a church that's 30 years old. And so there's a lot of bricks in this deal. I mean, we could put lots of bricks up here. And you don't get there overnight. We're seeing this over at LifeGate. I think we got one or two of these bricks down here, sorta in place, sorta. But we don't have these and these yet. But they're there, and God's gonna bring them there. You see, this is important. This represents people. I'm thankful that a church sent out missionaries, and I'm not talking about Paul and Barnabas. I'm thankful that that church sent out a missionary couple that went two miles from that church to visit our house. And those people shared Christ, and it changed our lives. It changed the entire trajectory of my life, totally. Totally. I'm so glad that brick was in the church. I'm so glad they obeyed. I'm so glad they said, yes, I'm going to do that. I'll share Christ. And so you think about that in your own life. You think about this. And whether you're young or whether you're old, you're a part of that building. And don't, don't walk up to me after church and say, oh, this is where I am down here. I'm already plastered in, and I can't move. No, 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 no. What happens when we take you out? Well, that didn't work, but it usually goes like that. <laughs> usually something kind of negative starts happening. Every one of us is so important to the body of Christ. God doesn't have stars, superstars. He has people that are building blocks for the body of Christ. I hope you love the church. I hope you have a great and growing passion for the church because Jesus loved it and gave his life for it. Donnelly, would you come back, please? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much. I thank you for Faith Community Church. I thank you for the little baby church plant called LifeGate. I thank you for these these lighthouses of witness to the grace and the glory of God. Father, I pray that every one of us in here would respond and receive this message today that we would truly love your church. Father, we know that there are problems that accumulate in a church and happen in a church. We understand that. Give us wisdom on how to deal with it. Help us not to deal with these things the way the world does, but help us to deal with them the way you do. Help us in that matter. Father, I pray for people today that maybe have walked, maybe who have walked into the church and perhaps a guest here, perhaps maybe somebody just been here for quite a while. But they recognize today that they're really out of step with you. They need to get close to you. They need to really perhaps even surrender their heart and their life to Jesus Christ, to let him be the Lord. The Savior of the life. We're not talking about just going to church and showing up. We're talking about the life changing work that only Christ in a person's heart can accomplish. Father, if there's some of those people here today, I hope, I I, I just pray that they're going to pray right along with me right now. Jesus, come into my heart. Come in and be the Lord and the Savior of my life change my life forgive my sin i want to be whole with you i want to be right with you this morning i ask christ to be the savior and lord of my life and i'm going to receive him simply by simple childlike faith jesus come into my heart i believe you died for me and you rose from the dead i accept you as the Savior and Lord of my life. And I will endeavor to live a godly life that will be honoring to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.